You know what? This episode's so good, I'm going to have seconds. It's manners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? How are you? How How are you? How are you? I'm all right. Has the cabin fever set in? Uh, you know, not really for me. I, I think that, um... I, for years, attempted to be extroverted, mm-hmm. but I am introverted. <laughs> I like how you said that, like, one might be verted, <laughs> but I want to be extroverted. Um, and having a newborn, I pretty much, even before the business that's happening now, just stayed inside anyway. I didn't really, like, relish going places and doing things because it, it uh, there's a lot of per- preparation that well, you yes. need to do before you take a newborn places and or, or a three or, or, or like well, any child really she was getting easier and easier to take places but that, that now now with the diapers and the wipes and the foods and, <laughs> and the, the backpacks whatnots. and the whatnots it's it's just a lot easier to stay home if you can so i am staying home because i can you know here's the problem though because i uh, also have realized recently, well, not recently, recently, but like within the last couple of years, that even though I uh, can be extroverted, what I really am is a performer mm. um, who likes to be on, likes to be in front of a crowd, but I, uh, I'm i not necessarily extroverted. I'm like okay. a, a, a performing introvert. Anyways, Anyways. The, the problem is... It's the restriction. I don't want to oh. go anywhere. But as soon as someone says, you can't go anywhere. Or like, you well, shouldn't go anywhere. Right. Sh- yes. You would be responsible to not go anywhere. Right. That's so we I'm are like, responsibly not going yes, anywhere. But now, because they said it, now it's like, but now I want to go places. <laughs> oh, no. But speaking of, speaking of places one should probably not go currently, the buffet. Well, yes. I think that um, when I chose this topic uh-huh uh it, you know the world has changed in such a short time yes indeed. uh since since the moment that i decided this is what we would do but you know aspirations being yes. what they are an aspirational buffet I we like that. we would hope that uh that the world will once again enjoy the buffet you know i will say uh so uh what a week and a half ago maybe uh bb and i were on the joe co cruise performing mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. and there is a, a buffet set up in, in the lito market there and the thing is is they they had this on lock where it was like they put up barriers so no one could reach in to get anything and so everything was served by people working well, for the ship and like to walk into or out of the buffet, you had to get hand sanitizer. There was like a person standing there with like a hand sanitizer spray bottle, like ready to go. And like they were very careful about it. And, and that kind very of thing. Very proactive. Yes. And I see that and I'm like, that should be 
all buffets. <laughs> what is your experience with buffets? Have you ever you've been to the Golden Corral? Have oh, you not? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went there. I think I've been there twice in my life. The first time being on a um, a high school field trip. Uh, it was a show choir trip. Okay, so it wasn't to the Golden Corral. No, no, Corral. no. Okay. No, no, no. It was just that was where we stopped to dine. Uh-huh. Um, because I think it was just easiest, you know? Like, everybody could pick what they wanted. we just tell uh, the servers how many seats we need and mm-hmm. ready, set, go. and Options. Options and all that kind of stuff. And then I think the second time was on a uh, uh, a theater. I was in a touring group. And again, it was just one of those things where it was easy and simple. Um, and we, we did a lot of like salad bar buffets and stuff like that. Like Frisch's around here yeah. has a salad bar and stuff like that. Just because, again, if you're on a time crunch, it's a great way to just eat right away and not have to wait for food to be prepared. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, as you touched upon you asked me about buffets, and the answer is yes. I have a myriad of experience. I would say ranging from a cafeteria-style buffet, which is what mm-hmm. I think I'm kind of describing what they kind of switch to at the Lido Market, where it's like right. there are people, and you, as you move down, you're like, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Uh, and then there's the salad bar style. There is the, uh, uh, you know, full-blown buffet, like a Golden Corral. Uh, Ooh, I, or like Chinese food restaurants sometimes sure, do buffets. Yes, uh, I mean I think Shoney's is Shoney's a national or is that a mm, local? To, anyways, that might be a local. I I don't recall. I've done I've done it all. Why there's nary a buffet I haven't <laughs> frequented. Hi, baby dot. It's okay. Here, welcome to the show, <laughs> baby dot. Have you ever done a buffet? Not yet. Okay. So um, let's let's dive in to the buffet, okay. should we? Yes, let's let's go for firsts. Now, here's I imagine that one of the problems with doing history of this was it was like the first time somebody sat a second portion of food next to the first <laughs> and said, "Which one of these do you want?" The buffet was created. Okay, not not quite okay. because there have always been in fashions of uh, the way people eat. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there is something to be said of like people sitting down to a big table full of food, right. it, like you said. Um, it's it's got a couple of incarnations, especially in Europe. So it probably originated from the French word buffet, meaning bench or stool. Sure, that's um, right. And that first appears around the twelfth century, but you know. You see in paintings, even before that, gods, biblical feet, uh, people like sitting around large tables piled high, right? Yeah, but what I like about this idea of it being like from the French word for stool is like get your food, right? And then go sit down, right? <laughs> As opposed to the other way around, which would be sit down and then get your food, right? You go get your food and you sit down. I'm not quite sure that's exactly what's meant by it okay but that's what i'm saying by that's it. okay that's okay. what i mean by it that's is what, what you mean. do it i don't hey honey there's a reason you do most of the historical research it's mostly <laughs> about what i think it means <laughs> 
uh, but this has always been kind of like a, a sign of of wealth and prominence, oh, right? Yeah. The f- table full of food. Um, but if we had to pick one group of people that we owe the most for the modern day buffet, it would probably be the sweets. Can you oh. guess what may have been the original buffet? Uh, no. Smorgasbord. <laughs> a smorgasbord, of course. That's right. So it originated as a way to feed unexpected visitors, because the term literally translates to buttered bread board. Okay. Um, but over time, it grew to include salted fish, eggs, vegetables, cold cuts, and, you know, several other things that eaten all together make a full meal. See, okay, here's the thing about this. And this is why I'm really happy that we're talking about buffets. Because if you think about the buffet, it is a brilliant solution to a myriad of problems. Okay. Right? So so, uh, problem one, right? I don't know how many people are going to show up. How many place settings do I do? Problem two, I don't know what kind of food everyone likes, so I don't know what one dish to make. Problem three... I don't have enough people to serve everyone. It will take forever to get meals out to everyone. Like, as you go down the list, it solves all of these problems where you're like, yeah, this is like, you don't know how many people are going to be there. Great. Just set up a stack of plates and say, go down and get yourself. You don't need servers, right? It's great for a restaurant where it's like, yeah, we can't afford to have 40 servers, Right. Great. People will serve themselves and we just worry about drinks. Oh, you don't know what kind of food people like. Great. Here's a bunch of options. Choose whatever you want. Now, the one thing it does create is the one problem of a fake creates is excess. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like there is definitely going to be food left over that not everybody ate. And I imagine that was especially a problem before things like refrigeration and like proper food storage was a thing. But I'm saying that now. I think, especially if you take some of that excess and donate it to places that will accept things like that from, you know, restaurant leftovers, it's perfect. You know, I'm here to say it. I think with a little bit of forethought, the buffet is the perfect food delivery system. That or Brazilian steakhouse. It's one of those two things. (laughs) Well, let me offer you a couple of... Because they bring you the meat on swords is the thing. That's it. That's hard to beat, you know? Let me offer you a a couple of other dining um, options. Okay. The first one being a la Francaise. Okay. Hey, you said that good. I like that. Thank you. And this dining option also is good for a lot of people centered around a table. Uh, the way that a la Francaise works is you place dishes within easy reach of the diners. Well, you're not getting up and you're not moving around and there aren't servers. So you have to put many dishes on the table and you have to put it within easy reach of several different people. But when you do this, not everybody gets the same dishes. So imagine if you will, a table uh, with eight diners, Okay, right? So you- What are their names? <laughs> inevitably have- What are their hopes and dreams? A person at each end, Okay, right? So you would place a main course type, like a roast- Right. Okay. At one end and at the other end. Now, would they be like like a roast here, or maybe chicken here, or would it be like it the would? Same it thing? would usually be mirrored. Okay. Right. The larger dishes, but then you would place smaller dishes of the sides, right, or the entremets. Okay. 
which literally means in between. Yes. Right? Um, and then. Which, by the way, that's something we need to bring back because we have appetizers that go before the meal. I need something to eat. Dirt. I guess that's just sides, isn't it? I've just said sides. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's keep moving. Side entremets kind of morphed into sides. Anyway, yeah. you would place the smaller dishes around in between the diners, and you really weren't supposed to kind of like venture to the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. So you ended up with practically four dishes for each person to kind of serve themselves from, Okay. right? So you'd have your main and your entremets and then some other courses and things like that. And between, the entire table would be cleared and the second course set. Again, you would do more dishes, right? And, And there really wouldn't be repetition between the dishes because you would set the more like extravagant, uh, delicious, wonderful dishes by the people who are more important. Okay. What's interesting about that as a process is it doesn't seem to eliminate a lot of of the issues of like you still need servers, you still have to make the food, you still have to have a lot of choices. It seems like the only thing it provides for is like some semblance of control over sure. what you get on your plate and how much you get and that well, kind of thing. Well, you don't need as many servants because what came next in fashion was the Alarus dining. Okay. Right? Where you do of need the servants. No, of no. Russia. <laughs> oh, good. Yep. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> this is what we see most often on TV shows like Downton Abbey, where you have the lines of servants and footmen kind of standing around and serving. Yeah. Right? Um, so instead of the main course, like the roast, being set on the table, then we now used what uh, sideboards. Oh, okay. Yes, okay? yes, yes. Uh, and you would cut up the roast, and a person, one of the servers, would bring it to you, and you would pick whatever kind of like cut yeah. you liked. Center. And most of these dishes were served that way. Just people walking around the table, holding the the courses, and you would pick off of that plate. Now, this eliminated the needs for so many different dishes because basically everyone got the same meal as it rotated around the table in people's hands, right? And it also made it so that you could serve dishes warm because they didn't have to be all laid out on the table in between, right? Yeah. So you had... You could bring them out as they were, like, right. You, if you had a cook who was really on point, like, time that out to be like, and go. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And all of this happened uh, kind of for the rich and famous, uh-huh. right? Until 1939, when, when Golden Corral was invented. The Schmorgasbord. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. That's what came I mean. to the World's Fair in New York. And so, uh, it was served a sizable selection of snacks atop a rotating platform in the Three Crowns restaurant. Okay. Um, and then this would be like the, I'm going to say, pinnacle of the buffet that uh, the buffet craze that started in the 1950s. Okay. Oh, you know what? Continental breakfast. That's another kind of buffet. That's yep, true. Done that one too. That's true. Um, and. What happened between the the 1930s, so 1939 to 1950, is what we have really come to know 
as the ultimate buffet, the Vegas-style buffet. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. We really have one man to thank for this. His name is Herb McDonald. Okay. What a great name. He was a Canadian. Yeah. Um, I would have guessed that from the name. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that you say, like, Herb McDonald is a Canadian. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he is. You go, Herb. There, do they say Herb? Would his name be Herb or No, Herb? I think it's Herb. Okay. I think that names are Herb. It's always Herb? Always. No, nowhere is it like, my name is Herb. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, He made his way to Las Vegas, like I said, in the 1940s. He was working as a publicist at the El Rancho, which was one of the first hotels on the Strip. Um, The legend is that one late night, he wandered back to the kitchen and brought out for the gamblers some cold cuts, some cheese, bread, pickles, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? And spread it out, fixins, spread it out along the bar. Okay, um, for the hungry poker players. This he, has a very Earl of Sandwich feel to it. It doesn't is a it? little yeah. bit, doesn't it? Uh, he made it so that they could kind of grab what they wanted and go back to their table. Yeah. Um, and this selection of accoutrement, various things, was an enormous hit um, right away, and it turned into a twenty-four hour like all-you-can-eat vehicle buffet, right? Mm-hmm. And he called it the Buckaroo Buffet. Okay. At the El Rancho. Oh, I mean, oh it yeah. Makes oh, sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes now, sense. now I get it. Okay. And because his background was in PR, his strategy was for a dollar, you could choose every possible variety of hot and cold entrees to appease the howling coyote in your innards. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes, innards, yes. Uh, it was a financial um what do i want to say cavern I, it was Cole, a loss leader a loss leader but because what they were doing was enticing people to the vegas like style that's, gambling that's what the loss leader means right so it's right. like we lose money on this but it gets you in the door mm-hmm. and so then we make money like, yes, this is why people will like... We make money on the gambling. Right. We lose money on the food, but the food brings people in, so they give us their money right. gambling. Hence, exactly. loss leader. Yes. Right, 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 right. Um, so then every hotel and, like, gambling uh, casino, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for, they all followed suit, of yeah, course, because of course. you have to be up with the times. And then this is when the American-style buffet really, like, flourished across the United States, finally culminating in places like CeCe's Pizza, Golden Corral, Frisch's, Sizzler's, things about Pizza Hut, Ponderosa, and hotels. Yeah, Ponderosa. That was another one. I've been to Ponderosa. Yeah? Yeah. I think I've been to a Ponderosa. I was about to say you'd know, but I can't remember any defining features of a Ponderosa, (laughs) so I don't actually know that you'd know. Um, And it reached its peak popularity in the 1980s. This also makes sense, right? That tracks, yep, a thousand percent. thousand percent. That go-go life, you know, you don't have time to stop and wait for your meal to be cooked and served to you. You're just going to schlop it on a plate and just keep going to get back to making those business deals. Exactly. Materialism, excess, the 80s, shoulder pads. New Coke. (laughs) 
all that stuff. And it and it was also an economical way to feed a large group of people. And this is what the commercials of the time really looked for, right? They played to large families, to cruise ships, to all-inclusive retreats as a low-maintenance way to feed a crowd. Now, the buffet essence, thank you, Alex. That's a beautiful, uh-huh. yes. beautiful turn of phrase, was not long for the world. Many of these restaurants that boomed in the 80s decelerated from quick expansions and raised competition in the 90s. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, that was true. There was a lot of that in, in the 80s where it was just like, this bubble will never burst. And then it bursts. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> if you're interested in this, and I highly recommend it, there's a great Decoder Ring episode about the pizza wars between mm. Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese. And like, this is like a, exactly that where like, it, they reached a point where it was like, there's like a Chuck E. Cheese every two miles or something. Right. And there's just too much. But like we said earlier, the reason that the decline happened really so fast within 10 years is because the buffet is not a good business model. Yeah. Right? It's a way to get people in the door to do other things. So you can still find great 24-hour buffets in Vegas because, like you said, it's the way to get people in the door. Yep. Um. But having, like, a restaurant that's a buffet is really not a good business model. Well, so the thing is, and I say this with no judgment whatsoever, but to make it work, you have to have cost-effective food. Right. Let's put it that way, right? That's why breakfast works well. Breakfast works so well, right? So if you, and, like, batch-baked stuff, right? So, like, mac and cheese, Right, where you can make a lot of it all at once and it's not like a specialized thing. This is why, like, you know, if you go to Golden Corral, let's just say it, I I will eat at a Golden Corral. I'm not above it. But you know what kind of food you're getting when you go, right? I, I don't think that this is a all restaurants should be replaced with buffet kind of thing. Right. Right, because, like, if you want, you know, a, a bespoke dining experience... That is like a sit-down, like, table service restaurant, right? When it's just like, I don't know, what does anybody want? Like we talked about earlier, it's great for tour buses. It's great for big family-style dinners. It's great for weary travelers who just want to eat, right? Right. But There's a reason, like, cafeterias in schools are cafeterias and not table service. Exactly, exactly. So, but the buffet still has its place in history. There still are Golden Corrals. In fact, the Golden Corral uh, business model, uh, especially, was named in 2016's Entrepreneur Magazine as the number one franchiser in the U.S. for the 20th year in a row. Whoa! Right? So, it hasn't died. We're we're still there. It's just not at the peak well, yes. of its lifespan. This is I, I think that this is true of pretty much every bubble. Is like it's not that there wasn't a place is that it expanded too quickly and outpaced its own like growth or whatever. And so then when it deflates, the hope is like, well, this deflated to a normal, manageable level. Exactly. Hey, we have some questions. Do you want to do some questions? Sure. Okay. This is from at Helene the Small. How much food is too much food, both at parties and restaurants? Going to a wedding this summer and don't want to seem rude, but I know the caterer and he makes such amazing food. I think, here's the thing, right? Let me tell you. Hey, <laughs> Teresa doesn't need a butt in here, but um, 
I, for a long time, was a real piler. And sometimes... Still I am. am. <laughs> because I am, I am all about... Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Efficiency. Efficiency. But if you're worried about seeming rude, I think the answer is small portions... Uh, don't pile your plate and just plan on going back for more, right? Exactly. That's the really great thing about buffet-style dining is you can try a little bit of everything and then go back for the stuff that you really, really liked and have a second helping. Um, do remember to always get a new plate uh, because it is much more sanitary. Um, and also remember to use the serving what is it? The utensils? utensils provided for each different. Yes. Do not mix and match. Do not like take the mashed potato scoop to get some mac and cheese. Uh, I know that I have any problem with the mixing of those, but some people might. And this is a buffet is a shared experience. Indeed. Uh, this next question uh, comes from someone. It comes from Batasaur. Is a homemade buffet possible, or is it just not possible to recreate that vibe at home? I will. T- well, I think it go. is possible, and I think that we've we've done this kind of with our ever expanding Thanksgiving yes. uh, family, and the way that you do it is you got to make sure to serve the foods that are also snacky foods. Right? Yes. So you have your main course, your turkey, your potatoes, your your salad or whatever. But you can also put out that shrimp cocktail. You can also put out the cheese and crackers. You can all like, and it's just so that you have a variety of things. They don't all have to be served hot. Yeah. You can have the, the colds and the dessert type stuff and everything out all at once to make it buffet style. This is something growing up. Um, even though West Virginia is not a, well, it's a, it's the northernmost southern state and the southernmost northern state, whatever, however <laughs> you want to call it. But after church on Sundays, oftentimes we would go over to someone's house, right, and people would bring different sides and different dishes and all this stuff. And we would, be, it was like a potluck buffet kind of deal, you know, where it was like we set up all the dishes on like the countertop and the table, and you go around mm-hmm. and fill up a plate and then sit wherever seating is available and eat. I think the thing is, is, as you said, when you talk about there are so many different kinds of buffets, as we exactly. touched on this, I don't think you're ever going to be able to recreate the Vegas style, all you can eat, there's someone waiting to like replace this tray of green beans kind of thing. <laughs> but I think definitely like a serve yourself a la carte kind of it's thing. It's more of a style of eating right. than it is the like an exact science. Right. So it can be recreated any place. And I think cuz the, the I think the problem is is the the thing you're never going to be able to recreate is someone still has to make the food. Right. So like if you're doing it at home, you all have to make it, right? Which I think defeats one of the biggest purposes of the buffet, which is like just kind of swoop by, get what you want and go <laughs> sit down, right? Um, but I think you totally could recreate it at home. Uh, Lynn asks, how long should one wait before getting seconds? Also, how many plates should one get in a single round? Um, one plate per round because what you have to do is you have to hold your plate and then you have to scoop with the other hand. If you have two plates, there's no way that you can scoop. Um Also, I think that it's important that you let everyone who is eating with you go through the line once before you go again. Um, 
not because I'm afraid that you'll run out of food where, I mean, if you're at your house, you might run out of food, but because it's the, um, the pacing yeah. of the meal, right? You don't want to be done before everybody else has eaten. Yes. That's no fun. You want to try and keep up the pace with everybody. So um, wait until everyone's had at least one plate to their spot before you go and get a new one. And I will, I think this ties back to Helene's question, because this is another thing is oftentimes I will find that, as they say, my eyes are bigger than my stomach, <laughs> where I will pile on my plate with food and then only be able to eat like half of it. Where it's like, then it's, I'm, I feel very wasteful. I feel like a failure. <laughs> All these things. So I think pacing is very important. Uh, Jillian asks, I'm a very picky eater. So I usually only like one or two things at a buffet. Is it rude to take a lot of that thing? As long as there's a lot of that thing on offer, I don't think so. Things like, you know, like you said earlier, the batch bake stuff, like macaroni, like potatoes, like, you know, chicken wings, like salads, stuff like that, that doesn't take a lot of nuance to really prepare. And there's always another tray somewhere. Go for it. I think that's the important thing, right? Is like, what scenario are you in? Because like, if you're at a restaurant where there is a kitchen whose job it is to turn out more trays of that thing go to town if you're at someone's house or maybe it's catered and they brought all the food and trays with them and they maybe then get as much as you might want right reasonably and then go back for more after everyone has had a chance to go through yes yeah i i don't know that it's a good look to stand in front of any one tray and pile your plate full of it <laughs> take like, that tray to your seat <laughs> yeah that that's not a great look um skylar asks and man this is a tough one. Can I cut past someone? Like if there's a hamburger slice of pizza taco and someone's at slice of pizza and I, oh, oh I see hamburger slice of pizza taco in a row mm -hmm. and someone's at slice of pizza and I want taco. Do I have to wait for them to move or can I just cut past them? Okay. Technically you can't. Uh, it is, it, it, it's a poor showing to cut in front of people in line anytime. Correct. But I would say that if it is restaurant where there are different stations, you are welcome to skip a station and move to the next station. Yes. So like if they're at the salad portion and it's like a big, a whole thing of salad and they are meticulously making a salad and you want to cut to the pasta stuff. Exactly. Cool. That is something you are definitely allowed to do because each is a like a little microcosm of a line. Yes. Um, but if it is at the same station, you're in close proximity, you have to wait. I've also been to places where it's not really a lineup thing so much as it's just people will walk. Uh, like, I see this a lot at, like, Chinese food buffets. Oh, walking to get one Well, they dish. just, like, walk up, get one thing, and go sit down, right? Mm -hmm. And people aren't really lined up. I think that that is a good in the middle of the road yeah. type deal. Um, if that seems to be the vibe of the room, I think that is okay. But if we are starting at one end and we are moving through, you have to stay in line. And you know what? I will also just say this. There's no question about this, but someone always has to be first. And that's the thing. <laughs> I I will jump on that grenade. You know, I understand. I used to feel bad because it was like, the buffet's open. Oh, wait, am I first? Ah, oh, no. Someone's got to be first. Someone's got to be first. And you know what? The the brave amongst us are willing to be first in line. I, I dropped this truth bomb on Travis. 
food is for eating. Food is for eating. You got to go get it. Uh, Crafty Pants asks, if you're waiting for something to be refilled, can you hover or do you have to go sit down and then come back? So I assume this is like at a place where they are swapping out trays. Um, Can you hover? I think that it all depends on where you are in your plate filling. Yeah. Right? If it's like you have a full plate and you just want that one last thing, I think you should go sit down. But if it's like we are swapping out things as I am standing there waiting to fill my plate, then I think you can wait for a little while. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all about reading the room, right? We talk about this a lot where it's it's about not being that that one guy, right, who is making everybody wait or who is line jumping or who is, you know, just being rude, having that rude tude. We don't want to do that. No. So I think that you, you've got great judgment already because you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> you've got great judgment. Trust your heart. Uh, one last question from Alex. I tend to just take a little bit of food at a time and go back uh, for more until full. Is wasting many plates just as rude as taking too much food on one plate? No, it is not. Um, because especially at a restaurant where they have like the batch washing machine, you know, where they just stack stuff up. Every restaurant would rather that you take several plates in succession than uh, you compromise the cleanliness of the buffet. By reusing plates. Or wasting food. Or wasting food. Um, I think that you're doing it right. Uh, They always say the more plates, the better. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And thank you uh, so much for joining us in these uncertain times. We hope that you find some kind of solace here in our comedy slash etiquette podcast uh if you do enjoy it please tell a friend uh maybe they're bored and they've already listened to every other podcast and they just didn't know this one existed and they will be so happy to hear about it from you so if you like it please share that link yeah tweet a link tell a friend tweet that link um you can also go to itunes rate review and subscribe there you go you can go to maximumfun.org and check out all the other amazing shows there They've also got some great forums going. Okay, what else? What else, Teresa? Well, what else do we normally say? What else? We normally uh, thank Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. We like to thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, which you can reach at SchmannersCast. That's where we get all these really great questions for all of our, um, our etiquette shows. So then also you can go to Facebook and join our fan-run Facebook group group which has a beautiful cover banner done by bruja betty pennant photography um join that group if you love to get and give excellent advice to other fanners all right and i think that's gonna do it for us so join us oh thank you to alex she put together a wonderful show this week we really appreciate our um her as a as a script writer and as a research assistant and as a person and as a person And that's going to do it for us for real. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.